0: Oh, Santa in the highest, oh, Santa.
1: Do you know that all the dark
0: won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good?
2: people are coming in and finding a seat let's go ahead and stand get ready to lift our voices and worship and praise to our great God
1: the Father, praise the Son.
3: morning church let's just not forget the lord has invited us to gather in his name and in his presence he has extended the invitation to us as he always does and uh thank you for responding this morning gathering and, and worshiping and lifting your voice as we join in worship together One thing coming off of Easter, we always think through people, and usually that's a great time for church, for families and individuals to say, man, yeah, we want to be here more often. We want to be a little bit more connected. And maybe that's you, and you're here uh, after last week, and you're you're wanting to do your best to try to be more connected to our church. And so I want to offer you a challenge, if you'll accept it. Uh, I heard this past week you don't really know somebody unless you've spent five hours with that person. And our services are 60 minutes. And so the challenge is... Would you uh, spend five Sundays with us? It doesn't have to be every Sunday between now and fifth Sunday, but five Sundays uh, to get a feel for our church, to meet our people, to hear. We have different people preaching and different people leading worship and different hymns and styles. You don't really know our church unless you spent five Sundays with us. So if that's you, I'd encourage you s- stick around, be around for the next five Sundays um, to figure out if this is a church home. This is where you want to land to be a part of our community. One thing we want to highlight is there's two mission opportunities. A value of our church is supporting missions both locally but also around the world. One local partnership that we have is with Hanging Rock Christian Camp. That's the church camp that I grew up going to. Um, And so. New Hope and a lot of other churches are all gathering at uh, Hanging Rock to serve on May 6th. It's a one-day thing, and so we would encourage you as a family or a small group to consider coming. We're cleaning up the property, doing some painting, just prepping uh, the camp for all the students that will come uh, and spend summer, a week of their summer uh, at church camp. So if that's you or your family or your small group wants to sign up to come together, just do that on our website, and we would love to have you come and serve with us. But the other opportunity we have that's unique this morning is also our global missions emphasis. And we have two of our missionaries here with us uh, who are serving overseas in Turkey. There they are all in the back, so come make your way in. This is Cody and Sylvia, and um, they're going to share a little bit about uh, just how they're doing, introduce themselves to you, uh, if you know or not, for our church family who gives uh, financially to support not only our church as you all give a tithe, we take 20% of that and then give it to other missions that God is working locally and around the world and Cody and Sylvia are a part of that. And so uh, they'd love to introduce themselves to you this morning.
0: Um, my name is Sylvia, this is my husband Cody and for the past five and a half years we've been serving in Turkey with Team Expansion with our three children, Ethan, Alora, and Ava.
4: The last couple years, the older two have been able to go to a local preschool which
0: has allowed them to become fluent in Turkish And so this fall, Ethan will start first grade in a 100% Turkish-speaking school. Um, And then also this August, we are
2: expecting our fourth.
5: Thank you, thank you. Um, Yeah, five years ago, we joined up with Team Expansion to go to Turkey, and we joined a field that had, we were the fifth family on the field. Um, There's been a lot of changes and transitions in five years, so when we go back in July, uh, we'll be the last family continuing to work there. which will be hard, but the work makes it worth it. So just to give you a couple examples, well, three years ago, we started using media, Facebook, Instagram, Google, to use ads to help accelerate our evangelism efforts. In three years, our city of 6 million people, that's 99.5% Muslim and unreached with the gospel, meaning they don't have access to anything, Jesus. Six million unique devices saw something about Jesus that we put online for them to see, which is incredible. But of that, in the last four months alone, 80 people who clicked on our ad and messaged with us online read John 1 through 5 and were invited to meet in simple churches to continue reading with local believers. That's all Jesus. We have not seen that before. I would love to share a lot more. So please come back to the church at 4 o'clock where we'll have more time to go into details and we'll spend some time in prayer over the work that we've got going. We'd love to see you there, but we don't have time to share all that right now. Thank you.
3: All right. Can we thank them for being here with us this morning? If you'd stand, we're going to pray over our gathering and pray to God who hears us as our Father. And we're also going to take a moment just to pray over Cody and Sylvia and their time of rest and furlough with us. So would you pray with me? Good morning, Father. We are uh, excited to be with you and to be with one another, those who are following after Jesus. And I pray this morning our worship would honor you, that our hearts would be humbled and true uh, as we pursue you, the God who pursued us. We believe you are the fount, the source of every blessing in our life. That's why we're here. And so, Father, I pray this morning that our worship would be pleasing to you. We also want to pray over Cody and Sylvia time of rest to be with us for these next few weeks and these months I pray after this they'd go back and be excited that they'd be refreshed and refocused and just ready to go back and to accomplish the work that you've given them but also may their testimony and the work you're doing through their lives remind us that we too have the same mandate whether we're in Turkey or whether we're here in Whitestown or in Boone County we are called as followers of Jesus to just share the good news God who would come to be with us, who would live for us and die for us and be raised to new life. And we, too, can be raised to that life because of Christ. And We're celebrating that together this morning. We pray everything we do this morning is honoring to you. And we do this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
6: And come now, fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Dreams of mercy never cease. Call for songs of loudest praise. Lord, teach me some and sonnet sung by flaming tongues of Praise the mountain, fixed upon it, Mount of thy redeeming. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I call, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Cause Jesus saw. from danger inner boast his precious blood and go oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to thee and let thy grace Lord like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee I'm prone to want Lord, I feel it I'm prone to leave the God I love but Here's my heart, Lord Take and seal it Seal it for Thy glory I'm prone to wander, Lord I feel it I'm prone to leave the God I love So here's my
1: See.
2: communion where we gather together as a church, not only to hear God's word proclaimed and spoken over us, but to remember that in this time of uh, continuing time of Easter, after the passion that our Lord displayed by giving himself to the cross for our sins so that we might be reconciled to the Father by his body being broken and his blood being shed. This time of remembrance is what we is one of the things that we gather together and don't want to take lightly. We're so grateful that we have a country where we can enjoy this freedom. May we always be this free to worship Christ. I was reminded this morning, it just broke me watching Cody and Sylvia, they're here and they're partaking in this communion time and this worship and it's so refreshing for them And to see their response of what it is that, that maybe they miss or, or don't have so fully in the in the country where they are, where they're doing the work of Christ to those who just don't know or have never been exposed to Jesus before. It's so refreshing to see that on their face and to remember that we enjoy this comfort and this—this we should just be grateful for that. And in this time of communion, remember that in this season of Easter, Christ continued to reveal himself to his disciples and those who had sat under his teaching and they saw him alive saw him, after seeing him beaten and broken to death and resurrected. And that is what we proclaim in this time of communion, where we take this bread and remember that time, and we take that juice, which is a remembrance of his blood, which was shed for the sins that kept us from being with God. So you'll take the communion. If you haven't gotten it, you can get up at any time and go get it. Just take the communion on your time after you reflect. Maybe just give praise to God. I want to pray over this time. Father, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be together as a church in safety, in comfort, but in joy. And uh, as a a moment to reflect, to see ourselves uh, in relation to you. Lord, if we need to get right with you. We pray that this time would just draw that out of us, Lord, help us to know where we fail you and that we might just come to you and say, Lord, give us help. But also, Lord, in those times where it's just gratefulness and we can offer that praise back to you in remembrance of what you've done. Father, your glory is on display here and not ours. May we always remember that in Jesus' name.
7: Good morning. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, my name's Rob, and I'm grateful uh, that the Lord uh, put it on your heart to be here with us this morning. I would love a chance to get to meet you. Uh, As many of you know, uh, back at the very beginning of January, we started a sermon series uh, as we walk our way through the Gospel of John. And we took a break seven weeks ago from going through the Gospel of John, and thematically, still in the Gospel of John, looked at the seven I am statements of Jesus. And that culminated last Sunday on Resurrection Sundays. We uh, finished up that part. And then this Sunday, we get right back into uh, the Gospel of John in chapter 3. And I'm uh, delighted to invite a guest uh, to get us right back into the Gospel of John in John 3. Many years ago, uh, when we moved here, one of the things that we picked up on, my wife and I, uh, is... Uh, we learned from her father, her father, my father-in-law, David. And when we're on vacation, preachers can, we can be a little bit picky. (laughs) We want to know that, hey, if we're going to visit a church on a Sunday, we want it to be a place that we can really let our guard down and enjoy and learn. And we have learned to do that at the Plainfield Christian Church. We get home on a Saturday night. We want to go and spend some time there when we can. We know that when you visit there, we're going to be welcomed. And under Steve White's preaching, and now Luke Proctor, we are going to hear the Word of God preached faithfully. For 35 years, Steve White loved that church and led it well and preached the gospel faithfully. And in recent months, I've got to know Steve, and it's been a joy. I've admired him from a distance for a long time. I've learned so much under his preaching. And recently, I've got to spend time with him, and I've learned this truth. Steve's not only a really good preacher who's going to bless you today, but he's a really good man. As well. So would you join me in welcoming Steve White to the platform to preach God's word to us this morning?
4: Stop it. Stop it.
7: Good morning. Well,
4: your your preacher's not as smart as he thinks he is. Because I'm not that nice, and I'm not that good. But what gracious words, and it is a joy to be with you this morning. I have valued your church from a distance, David's leadership, and now Rob and I have been so blessed by getting to know Rob some as well and my wife and I got to attend here uh, in December one Sunday morning we'd never been here for a worship service and we didn't say anything to each other while we we're here but we walked in the parking lot and looked at each other and said wow this could be our home church that's how we felt from the moment we stepped in until we left everything everything we experienced was so good from the welcome People we talked to, the preaching of the word, the worship, everything was on. And so thank you for being a great testimony in this area of uh, greater Indianapolis. Thank you for holding high word, truth, testimony. And I have, uh, I have no doubt but you have a wonderful future for the name of Christ here today. So thank you for who you are. Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 3, a familiar text to us. But one that never grows old, it is full of good things. And there's always good reminders for us to be here. You ever played this game, frustration? That's what it's called. How many played frustration before? Yes. It's very frustrating, isn't it? You have these colored marbles. It's not like trouble that you might play with your kids or your grandkids where you're trying to make progress around the board and that just while you're feeling good that you're going to win, you get knocked off your space and you have to go back and start all over. I don't think that is too unlike the experience of many people just in the course of life. If, I just, if we just have a kid, if we just get another house... If if I just could get another job, go to another neighborhood, live in a different place, if I could just get the, whatever it is, fill in the blank, I know, I know it's going to be better. We just have to get there. And just when we think we're about to get there, we get knocked back and we have to start all over again. It's a story told over and over again by so many people. Maybe it's even still your story here today. It doesn't have to be. Now, because we're here to honor the only one that can fill that void in us, that we, that we try to fill with everything else we can get our hands on. I think Nicodemus, that we meet in our text today, is the same way. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word? Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus repl- replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Truly, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How could this be, Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Thank you. Maybe see them. The divine imperative is clear that we must be born again. That is, if we want life to the max, if we want a life that's called abundant, if it's a life of purpose and direction and destination we're preparing for, we must be born again. And I know the majority of us have been born again today, and yet this text is so essential for us. Because we've already confessed in our worship this morning, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Have you ever? Sure you have. There is this tendency of the human heart, even the born-again heart, to go back to old ways. Sometimes we need to be awakened again to what has happened to us and the glory of Jesus Christ and the new birth that he's brought to us. Maybe not all of you have been born again. Maybe you have faith in Jesus, maybe you have experiences with Jesus, you've always believed in God, believed Jesus down on the cross, but you've never been born again. Maybe you're here for the first time knowing that frustration, that is something is missing. And so you can relate to Nicodemus today and a host of other people who have discovered the beauty, the truth, the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus Christ. So we all need this. We're in this together. So let's enjoy again what we learn out of this great text. First of all, we begin with this, this possibility even of new birth. I think when the unbeliever typically hears this, if this is a foreign phrase, it's not as foreign as it used to be. We hear about athletes being reborn. Uh, there was a song years ago in my generation said, with, with you, I'm born again. It was a love song. It's not as strange to us as it once, but but we still run into people who will look questioningly at us when we use the phrase born again, thinking that we've got a little bit of a religion in our lives now to change our morality and and be a a little more understanding that I need God in my life. There are other people when they hear born again, all they think is fanaticism. That's somebody who's obnoxiously religious and I really don't want to be around him anymore. And I, I hope, I hope, in one sense, that you are fanatic about Jesus, but in a healthy way, in a loving way, in a good way, and a way that you influence other people—not by being obnoxious, but by just being sold out and zealous for the beauty and the glory and the goodness of God. But but let's here is this here is this man, Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus, and he he knows something is missing. I mean, this man is respected; he's wealthy. He's in a position of honor. He's looked up to. He's a man who, by all, all, all practical purposes, from the outside looking in, he's arrived. And yet he comes to Jesus because something's missing. He's dissatisfied. He is empty, and he's intrigued by what he has seen about Jesus. Now, most people in our day, if you share your testimony with them, they'll say something like, well, that's good for you. I'm happy for you. It's just not, it's not what I need. I'm glad it works for you. You know, and they dismiss it as that. Thankfully, Nicodemus, when he recognizing, was recognizing something in himself, knew what to do to at least investigate further. We could call this the first Nick at Night episode, right? <laughs> they come to Jesus. And I probably because he was concerned about his cronies seeing him and what, how they would see him. That's reading into it a bit, but maybe not so much since since John makes a point of it here. But we have to eliminate some misunderstanding about new birth. First of all, it doesn't happen by tradition. Now, this is good for all of us to remember, those of us who grew up in a Christian family. I hope you had that privilege. I did. Lots of people don't. Nevertheless, there came a time in my life that I had to make sure that it was my faith, and actually, I was preparing for ministry in Cincinnati when that question came to my mind. Is this my faith or is it my parents' faith? And I had to go through an apologetic study to make sure I was convinced of the reasonability of the Christian faith and the validity and the veracity of the word of God. That's part of the journey of understanding you know, who we are. We, don't, we just don't follow in parents our heritage footsteps that's kind of what I think that's Nicodemus' story, because he was a very religious man. You know, one time Billy Graham said to a guy, Are you a Christian? And he said, I'm, I'm Irish. Ireland is a Christian nation. Yes, I'm a Christian. And Billy Graham said to him, Not necessarily. I know some kittens that were born in a breadbasket, but they aren't biscuits.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: So if you've never been in this personal journey of discovering, making sure it's your faith, you make sure you own it. And it's yours. New birth doesn't happen by perspiration either. Now, you hear that preached and taught a lot, that we don't work to earn our salvation. We do work hard, but we work hard because of the salvation that's come to us, because we've been so loved, not in order to get God to love us or to obligate God to save us. We do it. I mean, what what inspires a couple like Cody and Sylvia to go to a foreign place and do what they do? I mean, it, they have been captured by the love and the grace and the beauty of God in their lives. That's what happens to us. That's what, that's what prompts us to tell our story and to tell and, and to see people differently once we've been born again. We see everybody is either lost or found or dead or alive. And so we love sharing our testimony with people. I remember a guy in our church years ago, and he kind of wore me out by his good works because he always he, he, he did do great things for the Lord, and I, I loved him for that. He was always serving people, and I, I just I got weary though because I felt like he had given way to legalism. I couldn't measure that; only God knows that for sure. But I had a more of a clue of it when I preached through Romans. Of course, Romans is about grace and righteousness and faith, and all about the cross of Christ and what He's done for us, so we can't do for ourselves and. He came to me one day after church and said, I think we've just heard just about enough about grace. And I said to him, obviously not. (laughs) And so we continued in grace for a while, you know. Uh, The new birth is not by emotion either. You know, you could get a little bit of Jesus and get a chill up your spine. You could get even a tear in your eye at music. You, you can have a good conversation with somebody that just makes you feel better. You feel all tingly all over. That is not new birth. That's nice. Jesus warned, remember his parable of the sower, that there's some seed that falls on the heart, that, that the seed, it, it, it just bursts up. It grows really fast. But it wilts quickly as soon as there are problems or troubles or difficulty. It wilts. Why? Because there's no root system. It's, it's like the person who, who lives from emotion to emotion, mountaintop to mountaintop, depends on that to get them through the journey of life and the journey of faith. It's not going to work. You can't last that way because life has too many valleys of it. And he's got to be the king and lord of your life in the valley just as much as he is on the mountaintop, right? And so we have to guard ourselves about that. It's not by education either. New birth is by education. You can know a lot. Know a lot about what the Bible says. You've probably known people like that yourself. I, I remember a guy came in the office. It was after Sunday morning. Got done preaching. And I noticed in the Bible, this is back way long time ago when the days, when the Palm Pilots came out. Some of you remember how to Palm Pilot. And he was up in the balcony. I noticed when I was preaching. He was, he was on the Palm Pilot. And I said, well, I hope it's the Bible, you know. And... So someone in the office said, Joe, are you, what, are you reading the scripture up there? You using that for your scripture? I didn't have one. I'd never seen one before. He said, no, this is called the Gospel of Thomas. That What you were talking about, I've heard all that before. Oh, okay. Wow, glad you got it together. You know, My heart was heavy for him. Ray was a guy that always sat in the back row. He was Jewish. And he was an older guy. He was kind of a professor-ish kind of guy. And he'd say he'd... Uh, He'd say, uh, the first time I met him, he said, I have a very, very fine presentation today, very fine presentation. And I said, so are you a believer? No, 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 no. And I said, well, how can it be a fine presentation? You think I'm lying? And he said, well, just, just the way you present it. Well, you present very good. So I went over to his house one time. He had a whole wall full of books, the history of every country in the world and he had read all of them. And then he had, on the bottom shelf, he had all these theology books. I said, you read those? Oh, yes, yes, I read them. I said, and, and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus? No, it's just, uh, I don't know. He mumbled some stuff. I don't know what he said. But I never could move him. All kinds of knowledge, all kinds of, 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 of information, and frankly, I was naive. Many years in ministry, I thought if we just poured enough Bible in us, it'll all come out okay. In my experience, it doesn't work that way. You know, it's it's not about the cerebral aspect of who we are. Now, Bible study is imperative for our growth. Don't get me wrong, but it's about the heart. That's what that's what new birth. We'll get to that. But that's that's what new birth is all about. It's, It's not by education. It's not by imitation. Now, be careful hearing what I say, because the Bible makes it clear we're to imitate Christ. The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The imitators him we are to imitate. But be careful that it isn't something that has slipped into behavior modification. And sometimes when we first become followers of Jesus, that is what it is. We come to Christ. We have learned, oh, I, that's probably nothing I should do anymore. I shouldn't talk like that anymore. I shouldn't tell that joke anymore. You don't know a lot, but you know enough that certain behaviors aren't befitting a following Christ, right? But you can't stay there. Because some people can confuse behavior modification with new birth. And that's, it, it's not the same at all. It's like that little boy is told seven times, sit down, sit down, sit down. And finally, he sits down and he mumbles under his breath, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know? And there are people who sort of live their life that way. Now, that's, these are all misconceptions about new birth. Well, what is it? Well, you will recall, or if you're new to Scripture, I may remind you or say for the first time that after Jesus ascended into heaven, The people from different countries were coming together to Jerusalem. They were celebrating Pentecost. They were good Jews. They loved God. They loved the celebration of Pentecost. They came to celebrate their faith and to celebrate God. It wasn't that they were on the outs with God, but they heard the cross being preached. They heard about Jesus and what he did, how he was the fulfillment of all the prophecies that they loved. And they were cut to the heart. They were so convicted. What do we do about this? And Peter said, repent. You've been living this way. You've been living by law, depending on the ceremony, ceremonial aspects of law. You don't have to do that anymore. You can turn away from that, and you can turn away from your sin, and you walk this way with the only person that can save you, the whole, the, the person, the whole Old Testament scriptures, the law and the prophets have been pointing to you. you put your weight on him, and when you do that, putting your weight on him by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins will be forgiven. Your shame, your guilt, uh, uh, your, your, the purpose for your life, everything is buried. It's gone, and you are resurrected to a brand new life. And 3,000 people were baptized that day. What a day it must have been. What a day. It, I've never been in a church service where 3,000 were baptized. Have you? Our church is Mount Gilead in Mooresville on Easter Sunday. They had no plans for anybody being baptized, but 25 were. And we sobbed through all that because it was just the movement of God in that assembly. It was huge. And when that happens, these are the evidences. First of all, the new birth is is morally radical. Now, I already touched on morality. There is morality involved, but it's a different kind of morality that Jesus introduced on the Sermon on the Mount. When he said to the crowd there, your morality, your goodness, your law-keeping has to surpass, your righteousness surpass that of the Pharisees, they were dumbfounded. What do you mean? The Pharisees, Nicodemus and his cronies, gave their lives to obeying 613 laws of the Law and the Prophets. And all the interpretations of those laws, which was a huge weight for people to carry, for them to carry, and for the people they were living before in the Jewish community. It was too much. Jesus said, now it's got to surpass. You, 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 you've heard it said. He said, don't commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you lust after somebody and you want to commit adultery, you're guilty. You 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 haven't murdered anybody, but are you holding anger in your heart towards somebody that you said I just can't forgive them? That's like murder. You're guilty. He presented a whole new reality and understanding of what morality is, and he made sure we would not fall into a trap of behavior modification. He gave us a way to have a new heart, a new beginning. We're deeply within us. Not only do we not do the things he doesn't want us to do, but we don't want to do them. They're not befitting of the Christ who saves us. That's the new righteousness. You know, when uh, Martin Luther, on July 2nd, 1505, he was leaving his parents' house, he was in a storm in the woods, he was scared, and he cried out to God God, if you rescue me here, I'll become a monk. He was rescued, he became a monk. He was in a monastery in Erfurt, Germany. And he made a trip to Rome uh, and was there. He saw these steps. And these steps, uh, supposedly, the tradition is that Helena, the mother of Constantine, brought these these steps from Jerusalem, supposedly the steps that Jesus climbed to meet with Pilate when he was on trial. And the only way that you can ascend these steps is on your knees. And so Luther did that. He got on his knees, and he started somehow gaining more merits in his mind by ascending the steps that Jesus walked. And he got partway up, and he was bombarded with Romans 1.17, the righteous shall live by faith. And he began to understand this whole new world opened. That's all about what Christ did for him that he could never do for himself. And he was on his way to accepting this free gift of grace and grasping it. It's a new and deeper morality that rises from us, a new desire of the heart. I don't care. I don't care if your, your morality is as great as Nicodemus's, or Luther's. Or your morality looks like a prostitute on East Washington Street or, or a, a, an embezzler on Wall Street. It doesn't matter. You can be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And I hope you know that. And if you are outside Jesus Christ today, there's a person you go to who cleanses you from shame and guilt and all those dark things that you hope nobody ever knows about, finds out about. God already knows it and he'll make you clean and white from the inside out. The new birth is also psychologically radical because what happens is we have this new identity. Paul wrote in, in Colossians that we take off the old and we put on the new. We, ha- we, we, don't, we don't just clean the outside of ourselves like the Pharisees did, keeping the inside dirty. We have a new identity. Darren is a friend of mine. I, I met through... Um, I, I, I volunteer at a sober living house, and I just love those guys that are there. They have a nine-month program. I'm with them every Tuesday night, and I, I love it. And D- Darren was a guy. He didn't have a father in the picture. He was 12 years old. His mother died, and he started, he started using drugs when he was 12 years old, and he was an addict for 38 years until two years ago. All hope was gone. He lost his son. He lost his wife. He lost his career. He was also addicted to gambling, which is interesting because that's two different parts of the brain that, that comes out, that, that addiction. But he, had, he, he lost everything, nothing. He was absolutely hopeless. But if he were standing here today, he would, he, would, he would proclaim the goodness of God who rescued him from all, that year, all those years of shame and guilt. He's got his son back. He's got his wife back. They remarried a couple of months ago. He's on his path to career and new. He's made new. He said, Steve, everything is different. Everything looks different. People look differently. My wife looks differently. My kid looks differently. The world, everything about every day is so grand now because of Jesus Christ. That's what happens to us. How many people in your world do you know that need that radical new identity and change? Who is God putting in your path? to demonstrate what this new life is all about. You have a world that Rob can't get to, I can't get to, nobody else. God has you where you are to influence somebody for eternity, but not only for eternity, to have their life they're not not having now. Abundant life is about here and now, not just when we die, it's full now. The new birth also is organically radical. What I mean by that, it's a natural, it's a natural growth that happens. When we're born again, we begin this growing process, a kind of growth that we've never experienced before. And it's from the inside out. And it's a natural part. It's not forced. It, it, it's not that we're forced to behave a certain way, forced to say the right Christian thing, forced to, to serve in the right way or to, to be. There's a there's a desire in us, growing desire, to love his word to love our time in prayer, to love the community, to love serving God, to rejoice with what things are happening in the world in God's name. It, it, happen, it captures us more and more all the time. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and, and it sort of happens just when you start your walk because you, you start realizing things are happening. It's Very organic and natural. And it, it's a mystery, by the way. Later on, Jesus in the text says... Nicodemus, the only thing I tell you, this whole process is something like the wind. He doesn't mean by that that, you know, he's kind of ethereal and kind of oozy and you can't grab. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Nicodemus, you give me a chance, and what you're going to experience is the movement of God in you is like the wind. You can't quite explain it. You can't put your finger on it. You know, uh, you, you, we don't see wind. We, we sense wind. And we, we see the effects of wind. It's mysterious. How is it that you're far from the Lord and somebody finally convinces you to go to worship service and you walk out and you think, I think I feel better? No, or, or you, you don't want to go to church. You've heard Rob. You're tired of Rob, right? <laughs> and so you, you go to church and, and, and you drag yourself out of bed. Yeah, I should go. And even when you come in here fighting and screaming, because you really don't know to be here, you leave refreshed in your spirit. How do you explain that? It's, it's, it's the wonder of God. that he'll even take us screaming and fighting. What, give him just a little bit of a, a crack, and, man, he'll meet you there. If you just give him a little bit, if you, even, if you, if, if you just say, God, I don't know about this, but I'll... I'll, I don't think I want this, but okay. You know, he'll meet you there, and he'll walk with you. That's the kind of God he is, full of grace, full of love, full of mercy, and desiring to have you as his own. That's how he works. It's very organic. And the new birth is foundationally radical, too. So Nicodemus comes to him and addresses him as rabbi, and Jesus just cuts through all that. He doesn't care about flattery. He could care less about Nicodemus's evaluation of him. You need to be born again, Nicodemus. What in the world are you talking about? You know, this is a, this is a whole new kind of thing, you know? Now, that, it, it, new birth, and he's comical, and Jesus must got a chuckle out of this, I would think, um, about entering a mother's womb. But foundationally, when we come to Christ and we are born again, Everything about what we build life on is radically changed. The things we thought were lasting, we discovered aren't lasting. They're temporary. They're fading. They're going away. Everything's in shift, right? Everything's shifting. Everything you try to get your hand on, it's going away. I was in the kitchen the other day. And I said uh, to Diana, I said, uh, look up the word elderly. When we're going to be elderly. I want to know that. And she looked. She said, "It says here on Google, uh, 65." I said, "No, look at somebody on another article. Yeah, it says 65." I'm thinking, "Well, how did that happen? How did I get to be elderly? That's what it says. It all slips away. There's got to be something more." So Jesus draws on this obscure text in Numbers 21. You can look at it later where the people were griping about their diet. So God took them seriously. So he sends poisonous snakes. So if your kids want to eat peas today, just say, we'll send some venomous snakes. We'll see if you like that better. <laughs> see if that works. They're complaining about their, yeah, their diet. Well, so he sends these venomous snakes. They cry out to the Lord. Moses does on their behalf. And God says this strange thing. M- make a snake. Put it on a pole. Put it in the middle of camp. When they get bit, Have them look in faith to the pole, the snake on the pole, and they won't die. And it worked. How strange. How strange. A precursor to the Son of Man who would be crucified and put on a cross that everybody who looks to him will have eternal life. What a great God. The gospel is announced all through the pages. Of every page of Scripture has the blood of Jesus. And those who say, I don't like the God of the Old Testament, I like the God of the New Testament, has never really met the God of the Old Testament. It's the theme of Jesus all the way through. What a Christ. I don't know why you're here today. Maybe you're here just intrigued like Nicodemus. Maybe you're here because you need a healer for a sickness you're dealing with. Maybe you're here because your marriage isn't working and you're your last-ditch effort. Maybe you're here because you just had a bad week. Maybe you're here because you lost your job. I don't know why you're here, but I do know this. Of all the ways you need the Lord today, you need him as a savior for your sin and a king for your life. And I trust if you don't know him that way, you will. He will never ever disappoint you Well, the way of new birth it's not a theory it's not mere theology it's a reality Nicodemus is perplexed Um, he can understand physical birth a little bit but he, he doesn't get Jesus says you're Israel's teacher you should know some of this you should understand it really should Nicodemus Well, they took pride in knowing the law and the prophets. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a a heart of flesh. Another message of grace right there in Ezekiel. Nicodemus would have been aware of that. Now, many have been in error at this at this place in the text because they will teach, a popular teaching of this text is that Jesus is saying, you're born again, I mean, you're born, you get a birthday, you're born of your mother, and then later on, you should be, have a spirit baptism. That, that Jesus is not talking about water baptism. He's talking about spirit baptism. Well, the first thing you got to get past is all the other scriptures in the Bible and the New Testament talk about water baptism. But the, the Greek construction will not allow for two different places in time, a physical birth and later a spiritual birth. It's not there. The Greek construction is this is a one-time event born of water and spirit. Now, we want to be true about that. This is, by the way, it's not, we're not the judge of anybody regarding their faith and salvation. We don't want to become like that. We're not going to be sectarian in our spirit or attitude or condescending. If if others don't share that same understanding, we want to be grace-filled. But all I want to say about that, you know, it's God's salvation. He's the only one that gives it. He's the only one that withholds it. What we want to be true to is simply the scriptural teaching. And the stronger we are in what God has taught in the scripture, the more confidence we have in our faith, and the better we're prepared to help somebody come to Jesus. Nobody oozes into him. Nobody attends church three times and thinks, well, are we good now? I said that prayer. It's okay. No, God gave us a place and time, an occasion, where I can know that was where I was born again. It's not about the water. It's about the blood of Jesus being applied to our lives and our hearts. And so, I'm thankful that I've had the experience of baptizing lots of people who love Jesus, who've had faith in Jesus in their life, who've never doubted Christ's work on the cross, but they never knew new birth. And when they are born again in Christ and their testimony through and through, oh, what I've been missing, what I've been missing. When someone seeks Christ, uh, and by the way, I, I picture this like a pregnancy, you know? There were a lot of pregnant women here last hour. Did you know that? <laughs> They're everywhere around here. <laughs> and lots of little babies, that's a good sign, you know? I love that. Um, but but, but it's, it's, you know, when, when a woman is pregnant, there, there's, there's ch- changes start, right? From the time you, enter, you allow your, your mind and heart to start grasping biblical truth, things start happening. Things start changing. There's, there, things happen inside a pregnant woman. That's not birthday yet. It's just things are changing, and there's anticipation. But finally, birthday comes, and that amniotic sac breaks, and that baby breaks through, and we celebrate birthday. And that's what happens in baptism. Is there going to be change before the event? Yes, there's going to be change. But that's not birth. That happens right there when a person breaks through the waters of baptism and it comes to new life. So when a person has a growing need for Christ, that, that's not the same as new birth. I, you know, your heart can be stirred, but that's not new birth. You can you can say a prayer and feel a little better because the first time it's the first time you prayed to God and you feel a little better. That's not new birth. You know, you can attend a church service and have a tear in your eye because it just seemed right. That's not new birth. You make a decision for Jesus Christ, you are buried with him in baptism, and you are resurrected to a brand new life because you put all your whole soul trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. That's what new birth is all about. And so, these three things about baptism, I'll close. First of all, it's an act of beauty. Let's move away from being just a duty to an act of beauty. Um, it, is, it, is a, it is something we're commanded to do. Uh, Jesus was baptized, but not for a new heart. He demonstrated his obedience, his surrender to his father, but Jesus did not need a new heart. You do, and I do. And this is a beautiful day When that happens, when we are born again in the waters of baptism. And and Paul is the one, you know, in Romans 6, says we are buried with Christ in baptism, through baptism, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So in baptism, we are are symbolizing Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. But the reality is we are dying to self and to past sin, shame, guilt, all, everything. We're dying to ourselves and self-reliance and being resurrected to a brand new life. Praise God. And it's the work of God. People will charge us that, that, that I teach, and I've been charged with this uh, all, 45 years, that you're teaching baptism as a work. Not at all. It's the work of God in us. Baptism doesn't earn us salvation. It's the place the blood of Christ is applied to our lives. Nothing obligates God to save us. Nothing. The blood of Christ we meet there continues to be effective the rest of the days of our lives. Praise God. Colossians 2 I love. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity, in other words, all that, all that God is lives in bodily form in Jesus. Jesus. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Well, how that happened? Having been baptized with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Just as in circumcision, there's the cutting away of the flesh, he said, when you're baptized into Christ, you're cutting away this former life of living by the flesh. Instead, we're resurrected to live by the Spirit of God. That's what new birth is all about. And finally, it's the starting point. It's not the finish line. It's the starting point. It's not the goal. That's a, that's a big, and then from that, God changes us from the inside out. That's this Holy Spirit's presence within us to walk with us and love us and shape us and change us and that new heart we have. God knew we could not live this life on our own by our own energy. We needed God within us, himself in us, to empower us and to strengthen us and to turn us into holy people for his own glory. What a how rich we are, don't you think? how rich we are to know this new life and how many people around us are dying. And how does God want to use you to change the world, to change Whitestown, your neighborhood, wherever you live? I remember Elsie. I never forget her. I think about her a lot. She's with the Lord now, but a story like hers can be told all through my years of ministry uh, Elsie was 82 when I met her. And I would just gone to Plainfield, it was 1987. And I knew Elsie's husband had just died. So I said, like, can I come see you? Sure. So we were visiting, sweet little lady. And uh, I said, so how long have you been a member of Plainfield Christian? She said, oh, I'm not a member. I said, well, how long have you been coming? 1963. Uh, Okay, so well, why aren't you a member? well, those people want me to be baptized into Christ. And my grandfather was a Quaker, and my dad was a Quaker, and that's good enough for me. Okay, okay. got it. You know? And uh, every now and then, I'd, I'd say, uh, uh, Elsie, can I come talk to you about baptism? No, oh, no, 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 I'm fine, fine. Okay, okay. About five years later, I said, Elsie, can, can I come? to?" You? you know me well enough right now. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to coerce you. All I want to do is talk about the scripture. She said, you didn't preach on baptism today. And I said, no, but I did preach about the Lordship of Christ. You know me. Well, okay. So when I got there, I, uh, I, all the way I prayed, and think, well, how am I going to start? So I said, Elsie, I told you she's going to show you scripture because I don't want you to believe me. I don't want you to do this because you come to our church. I I want you to do it because this is God's best for you. So I opened to 1 Peter. And I said, just look at this verse. And I read this. In the ark, eight people in all were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. It's not the removal of dirt from the body. It's a pledge of a good conscience toward God. And I looked over, and a tear was coming down her eye. Her, her cheek, And she said, well, what can I say about that? And I said, I don't think anything. And that next Sunday, she walked down front and was baptized into Christ. We had to wait a long time for 87-year-old Elsie to get changed. But there was not a dry eye in the place. It's been my experience with people through the years to argue against this. But you know, I never find people that are new to Christ ever argue against it it's the most reasonable thing in the world except for some people I heard of a couple recently and their little girl she's eight years old saw baptism for the first time they got in the car and she said I want to follow Jesus but that was really weird (laughs) maybe that sounds weird to you I don't know I don't know if you're new here just exploring what but it may seem weird but I tell you it's the greatest joy in your life when you're united with Jesus and your life starts being restored to working order. Salvation is not for someday. It's for today. This is the day of salvation. And if you've not been born again in Jesus, please don't let this day go by. Be born again. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we... We are indeed amazed at grace. That you would condescend to us to live in our shoes, to walk and live our lives, to live the life we should have lived but have not and died the death we should have died and don't have to. We thank you, Father, for diverting the wrath that's due on us onto your own son, Jesus that we may have life so today father we thank you for the new birth and I pray father that anyone in here who's not been born again would do so immediately for the sake of the name of Jesus and for their soul's sake may God be praised in Jesus name amen
3: The invitation has been given after service. will be in the front if you'd love to talk or pray with someone. Or if today's that day, we'd love to baptize you into Christ. Let's stand and close as we stand and sing of what we believe.
6: And I believe in the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I believe that the power of the gospel Still makes the broken whole I believe that the curse of sin was broken When that stone was rolled away As I believe, I believe, I believe As I bow before you, Lord I will rise in confidence I will see your goodness, Lord In the land I'm living I believe that the walls will start falling when we fall down on our knees. And I believe that the lame will go walking and the blind are going to see. I believe that the gates of hell tremble when the church begins to sing. I believe, I believe, yes, I believe. As I bow before you, Lord, I will rise. generation, look at what the Lord has done, sing it to the darkness, that the light has come, sing it to the nations,
0: look at what the Lord has done, sing it to your dark.